Welcome to Walnut Hill Community Church. We are one church, lots of locations, lots of homes around the region, but together worshiping Jesus. My name is Victoria Kovarik. I'm one of the pastors here at Walnut Hill Community Church. I want to welcome you this day. We begin a brand new sermon series. We're looking at hearing God for others. And, and today we're focusing on learning to study. Do you want to hear from God? Do you want to hear what God has to say to you for this season, for this moment of time? Well, I want to encourage you to be in the Word. God has spoken. He is speaking and He is speaking through His Word and by His Spirit. And today we're going to focus on that, on listening to God's voice in His Word. And I believe that to do that, we, we need a spirit. And so I just want to pray that God might speak to us today. Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for this moment. I want to thank you that you have spoken. You are speaking and you long to speak to our hearts today. And Lord, I pray that you might come by your Holy Spirit and minister in a very specific way to each and every person wherever they find themselves at this moment, that they may hear your voice, they might listen and obey, and that you might lead us on. For we ask these things in the powerful and holy name of Jesus. Amen. This day we're going to look at a passage of Scripture. It's in Deuteronomy. It's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. And if you have your Bible with you, I want to encourage you to open it. You see, it's Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. You uh, do Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Then you find Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. And this is what it says. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. See, these are the words of Moses to the people of Israel. In fact, if you go one chapter before in Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses begins in verse 1 by declaring to the people of Israel, Hear, O Israel, listen, O Israel, listen carefully to these decrees and laws. And Moses goes on to outline the Ten Commandments. And he's basically saying to them, in the context of relationship, you are Israel. You are the special people of God. Your name has been given you by God himself. When he renamed Abraham's grandson from Jacob to Israel. And then the people then took on that name as being called Israel. And, and Moses is saying, you are God's special people. You are his covenant people. He has made a committed relationship with you. And he's calling to you to listen. That in the context of a relationship with the God that made them, he is inviting them to hear, to 
learn and to obey. And that idea of, of hearing and, and learning and obeying, we see in, um, as Moses outlines the Ten Commandments, and then it goes on and it talks about how God had spoken from the mountain. And then as the people are very fearful, and like, well, God has spoken to us and we're still here, but Moses, can't you listen to God and then let us know what God says? And, and then we read that it says that, that when Moses goes to God, God says, I've already heard what the people say. We trust in a God who hears. And then you go a few more verses on and we get to Deuteronomy 6 verse 3. And again, it begins with, hear, O Israel, listen, O Israel, let me declare to you what God has said. And then we get to verse 4 that we're looking at today. And so as we look at this passage of Scripture, we begin with this call to listen. This, this call not just to have heard something at some point in the past, but be listening in this moment. The words say here, O Israel, but the beauty is that when Jesus came and he died and he rose again, we then got included as Gentiles into the people of God. It's not just Israel, you Jews, from that moment in time. But we've been adopted into the family. And the call to listen is a call to all of God's people. And so the first thing I want to explore this morning is listen to our God. See, it begins, this passage begins with an acknowledgement of who we're listening to. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord is God. The Lord is one. Or, or in the New Living Translation, it says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. The Lord is the word Yahweh. It's the name that God gave himself to Moses from the burning bush. When he said to Moses, I am, that's my name. I am who I am. I am the one and the only. And here in this passage, Moses reminds them that this is their God, our God. There's a possessive pronoun here. He's not just a God. He's not just the God. He is our God. We are his people and he is our God. And this is our God, the one that had led the people of Israel out of Egypt, had parted the Red Sea. This is our God who rose Jesus from the dead with power and with authority. This is our God who made heaven and earth. In fact, at the beginning of creation, it says that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And in John's Gospel, chapter 1, it says that that the Word, that's Jesus Christ, the Word was with God. The Word was there at the beginning of time. And so our God, one God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit was there at the beginning of creation, is at work throughout history. And one day we will meet him face to face. And so as we look at this passage, this is our God. He is the same God. We are included in his family. As scholars have debated how to translate Deuteronomy 6 verse 4, these are very famous words for Jews. It's known as the Shema. 
because the very first word is hear, to hear. But scholars have debated whether this is a statement of monotheism, that it's about one God, or whether this is a statement about exclusivity. It's about the Lord alone. It's about total allegiance. You see, there is a spiritual world. And throughout Scripture, we read references to other gods, the gods of the nations, the gods that surrounded the people of Israel. In fact, that first commandment in Deuteronomy 5 verse 7 is, you must have no other God before me. The declaration is that there is one God, God of gods, above all others. There's only one in whom we worship, one who exclusively calls for our allegiance. The God, our God. Ephesians 5 talks about other principalities and and powers. But as it says in Deuteronomy 10 verse 17, our God. God is God of gods, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is what it says, Deuteronomy 10 verse 17, for the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. This is the God in whom we worship. This is the God that we praise. And it goes on in in Deuteronomy 10, verse 21. He alone is your God, the only one who is worthy of your praise, the one who has done these mighty miracles that you have seen with your own eyes. This is the God that we worship. This is our God. Listen to him. In fact, the second of the Ten Commandments says, that we're to have no idols, neither in heaven nor on earth or in the sea, that there is nothing that we should put above our God, nothing that we should put in place of our God. No desire for success, no, um, no fame, no nation, no career, no money, no human love, no sinful desire, nothing should be put in the place of God. No power, no witchcraft, no occult activities, no palm reading or reiki, no meditation on other gods or philosophies or requests to saints. There is nothing on heaven or on earth that is more powerful than our God. And that is the one who wants to speak to you and wants to speak to me. Are we listening? Are we listening to the one that has all authority? He longs to be number one in our lives. Is this the God that you worship? Or are other things crowding in at this moment? Who is number one? Our God is majestic and all-powerful. He is creator. He is almighty God. He is just and holy. He is compassionate and merciful and loving. And he wants to be your all in all. He wants to be king of your life. This is our God. Listen to him. And so we move from this this emphasis of here, O Israel, the Lord is God 
the Lord alone and then we move on and, and the emphasis turns in Deuteronomy 6 verse 5 to us. In fact, we read these words and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I give you today. We don't just listen to our God, we listen with our hearts. It's interesting that this passage goes back to what I preached on the last time I preached when we looked at loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength that is said, uh, that Jesus says to um, the teacher of the law just before he shares a parable about the Good Samaritan. And I wonder sometimes if we get caught up in trying to analyse this love, what parts of me are supposed to love at this moment? My sense is, that the call is to love wholeheartedly, love with every fibre of your being, to love with an undivided love, a wholehearted love, to love as a response to a God who hasn't changed, even though the world feels like it has, a God who is faithful and true and has poured out his love on us. That's what we remember at Easter. That is what we celebrate, that God loves so deeply that he did not allow us to stay separate, but he did what needed to be dealt with. He dealt with our sin, that we might be restored into a relationship with him. See, this is not a wholehearted commitment. It's not about checking off boxes. It's not about church attendance and religious activities. It's a question of the heart. Do you love God wholeheartedly? You see, we worship a God who is not caught up on how we appear on the outside. He, he sees right through to our hearts. Are you projecting an image of having it all together and knowing how to do this moment of time? Or are you willing to reflect and allow God to minister in those deep places of your own soul at this moment? This is a very unusual moment for each and every one of us, for many the rhythm of life has shifted so profoundly. If someone had told me in January that uh, the entire uh, world was going to shut down, that there would be a halt in so many activities, I would never have believed them. And yet it's happened. And the rhythm has changed. And for some, it has got much busier. And I just want to say thank you to all of you who are essential workers. And for you, life may have got much busier and, and very challenging and there's lots of pressure. I pray that God might minister his strength and his grace upon you today and each day. But for others, it's like the lights went down. The busyness of life has been dimmed. And... That may not be true if you're teaching children at home and that may not be true if you're trying to work from home and juggling lots of things. But for many, the pace has changed. There are no meetings to run off to unless you're on a Zoom call. There's no gatherings and parties and, and running after sports activities. Things have changed. And I wonder in the midst of that change whether God isn't inviting us 
to reflect on where we're at. Where are you in your heart? How are you doing in this moment? What is crowding in? What, what is going on? Are you filled with peace or are you stressed and worried? What is driving you? This is an opportunity to listen to our hearts. It might be that you feel fear crushing in or doubt. Maybe actually you feel lots of love for those you can't be with physically, but you've got this deep love overwhelming to express that to others. Maybe you're realizing the bitterness and the pain or the grief within your own heart. Maybe there's a sense that really life is about pleasing others. And now in the quietness of this moment, wow, who am I and and what matters to me? Maybe there are other things going on in your heart at this moment. Couldn't now be a moment to evaluate? You don't have to run out the house and hit the traffic. Now could be a moment to seek after the Prince of Peace, to discover God in his word, to get out in creation and enjoy what God has made. Life despite the virus is continuing. We have bluebirds nesting in our yards. Uh, Things are going on. The sun is rising and the sun is setting each day. Spring is here. Creation is doing its thing and God is on his throne. Now's the time maybe to reorder your own life, your own priorities, to determine within your own heart what matters and what doesn't. My husband, Andre, and I were reading a devotional this week by a preacher called Charles Spurgeon. It's called Morning and Evening, and this is what it said. Ifs, buts, and maybes are sure murderers of peace and comfort. Doubts are dreary things in times of sorrow. Like wasps, they sting the soul. How are you doing in your soul in this moment? Are you allowing doubt and fear and worry to sting your soul, to to add pressure in this moment? Or are you coming to the God that that you long to know more deeply and say, God, I am pressured on every side, but I want to know you in this moment. I turn my heart to the Prince of Peace. Forgive me for getting caught up with what everybody else is saying, getting caught up with with the news and the pressures and the issues that are going on around me. And, And Lord, I lay my fears, I lay my worries, I lay my doubts and my questions at your feet. And I believe that you haven't changed, that your character is the same. I believe what it says in your word, help me to walk in that place. I want to be at peace in my heart. See, the truth is that we're all made differently. We have had different experiences and different personalities and different ways of being. I am married to somebody who gave his life to Jesus as an adult. He had such a deep and profound experience with God that he never questions it. He knows that God rescued him. He knows that he belongs to Christ. And there's such surety and and hope in where he's at. Now, the truth is I gave my life to Jesus as a child. Childlike faith was easy. It's been becoming an adult, realizing that just because I wanted things to go a certain way doesn't mean it has to. It's discovering God in the questions, discovering God when life hasn't turned out the way that I thought, when, when moments are 
are more pressured or difficult than I imagined. That is where I'm learning to cling to what I know is true regardless of how I feel. And it might be for you that doubts are not a struggle because you know where you come from. It might be that for you, doubts are a struggle in this moment. Well, I want to encourage you is as we discover the God who has revealed himself in his word, as we invite him to speak to our hearts in this moment, that we can cling to the truth of who he says he is and believe that he will lead us on. See, this passage talks about a love relationship. God is not up with a stick in heaven. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you that you might know him. And he invites us to obey. He invites us to live in a way that honors him, not out of guilt or fear or shame, but out of love. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And this passage again reminds us in verse 6 that it is out of the love that we've received that we commit ourselves wholeheartedly to the commands and calling of God. These are the days to check our hearts, to confess our sins, to return to him. If this season you are looking for something more, maybe you've never even been to church before. This is a whole new experience. Maybe you have, but you've never come to a place of saying, God, I want you to be my God. I want to declare that you are king of my life. I don't want to have anything else before you. I want you and you alone. God, will you forgive me? I acknowledge you as God of gods. I want to start discovering who you are in your word. I want to encourage you, if that's what is stirring in your heart today, then talk to him. Talk to God. Invite him to be king of your life. And we want to encourage you in that journey. So let us know. It might be for you that you've done that. You've done that in the past. You know the God I'm talking about. But let's be honest, all the busyness, all the, the noise and all the activity has has crowded in over the months and years. And, and truthfully, you know, you've wandered off. The Bible talks so often about a very simple word called repent. It's when we realize we've been going in one direction, away from God, and we feel a stirring in our heart and we turn round. And we walk towards him and we walk in his direction. And it may be that today is a day that you need to say, God, I'm sorry I turned around and I walked to you. I want to follow after you. You are King of Kings. Cry out to him. He's here for you. For others, you know this God and you know where you're at in your heart. I just want to encourage you to enjoy the rest that comes from being at peace with God and knowing his presence. Enjoy this season. Get all the, enjoy this moment of, of hearing his voice, having those sharp edges of you being polished off as God reveals himself in deeper ways. Get in his word. Discover all that he longs to teach you in this season. See, this is a moment to listen to our own hearts 
to listen to our own answer, to ask the question, where are you? Where are you? See, lastly, the passage goes on in verses 7 to 9, Deuteronomy 6, verse 7 to 9. It gets very, very practical. And the call is to listen daily. See, we're to repeat these commands again and again to our children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is not just about personal allegiance, but public confession. Your faith is not just some nice private thing that you keep in a corner. No, it impacts every moment of every day. It's to be part of how we live and how we breathe. For many Jews, they take this passage very literally. You may have seen Jews for... um, male Jews for morning prayer with a box on their head which has this and other scriptures in it and it's called a phylactery and and they wear that in a in obedience to this passage others others have a mezuzah in fact if you go to Israel and you uh, stay in a kibbutz or you go to a Jewish home you'll see this little rectangle on the side of the of the hotel room or on the side of the um, the doorway And it has this passage and three other passages in it as a reminder to actually put the word of God on your doorpost. I'm not suggesting that that's something that we're called to do. I am suggesting that the scripture is intended to be the source of everyday life. These are not just words that you read in a moment, close the book and walk away. These are words that are life. For our souls, these are words that are life for our families. These are are words that bring hope into each day. That's why it's so important to get into the Word of God. And so we read that how we respond within families matters. It's not just an automatic transfer because I'm a Christian, kids will be Christians. No, there's a call to teach, to talk, to reveal. In fact, children learn loads, don't they, from observation. How you handle a crisis can reveal who God is. How you interact with others can show his love. The words that we use can impress on their hearts the truth of what we believe. Our habits, our attitudes, our actions, they reveal our faith. And to put the scriptures on the doorposts is to announce to the community what we believe to talk about putting it on our forehead as if the word of God should lead us. Talk about having it in our hands because of the word of God should impact our actions and our commitments. See, how many Christians are looking for some dramatic moment, some letter from the sky, some incredibly challenging thing to do because that will be the thing I do for God. And yet the invitation of this passage is live this day, live this season, live every day of your life in a way that shows who you serve, who you love, and who is God of gods and King of kings for you. It is not just about the dramatic moment, but the daily walk. 
External actions cannot substitute an inner experience with God. And yet your inner life is shown in your daily walk. Are you seeking God this day? How is your daily life revealing who he is? How is your daily life revealing what you believe? How are you hearing God for this day? And if you're not in his word, how, how do you expect to hear from him? Because he's spoken through his word and he reveals truth by his spirit to our hearts. He wants to speak truth to you for this day and for each and every day. And so to close, I want to ask a question. And the question is this, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Are you lost in the noise of this world or are you seeking to find rest in the God who speaks today? For he is here for you.